millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. On today's show, myself, Simon and Danny Murphy discuss Sir Clive Woodward's claim that Twickenham is turning into the world's largest pub. Are fans constantly going to bars during matches and is it becoming a problem when watching England games? Plus, after Manchester City were charged for allegedly breaching financial regulations, Simon explains why legal proceedings shouldn't be held up. Look uh, at page 64 of the Daily Mail this morning. A superb column from none other than Sir Clive Woodward, the man who steered England, of course, to that amazing World Cup win down under all these years ago. But he was uh, working for ITV at the weekend at Twickenham, of course, where Scotland beat England and won the Calcutta Cup. Anyway, that's just uh, another detail to the day. But the headline on Sir Clive's uh, article this morning, Twickenham is now the world's biggest pub. Now, Danny, we're going to talk a fair bit about this Mm. because Clive goes into some detail in this. He says, watching England from the stands has become unpleasant. People are more interested in drinking than the rugby. Now, of course, no one's saying that everyone's getting out of hand and you're seeing fights here, there and everywhere. You're not seeing that. No, that's not what you're seeing. But he is saying it appears people have a preference to get stuck into a few pints as opposed to actually the reason they're there and why they bought their 200 quid tickets to watch the rugby. He said, I was amazed to see thousands and thousands of supporters still queuing at the bar rather than sitting in their seats ready for kickoff. He was saying when he was working for ITV, he could see loads of empty seats and people were not ready to watch the game at kickoff mm. when they should have been. And he says, it is really quite depressing that people want to go to the rugby, but it seems... They're more keen to get a good drink inside them than they are to enjoy the atmosphere. He goes into some detail, but when it's Sir Clive Woodward talking, Danny, I think I'd pay attention to it. Well, I read it. The the devil is in the detail because I think he makes some great points about the constant up and down of people going to the toilet, going to drink. You know, I I think that that's not managed very well and that can be a nightmare if you're watching an event you've paid a lot of money for. I think that there's definitely some validity in that argument. That that needs addressing, but that can be looked after. I think it's a very different crowd that go to rugby union compared to go football. We all know that. 
Um, there's not a history of problems and fighting and, and abuse and, no, no. and hate crimes and stuff. So I don't think there's a drastic need for change or a, a maybe... I mean, I look, if they changed it and went alcohol ban, I've experienced that in the world. I, I would never have said that before I went to Doha. Yeah, in Qatar and the world It was Cup. a wonderful experience because, mainly because of that. There's no doubt it was because of that, 100%. Yeah. yeah. And I think people would probably enjoy the experience more if, if Twickenham became that way. I do believe that. But I don't think that's going to happen because it's a very different event of the rugby to the football, the union especially. I, I think they can manage it better. in ha- So, for example, you have to shut, shut the, the bars, bar. Shut the bars. You have to let people enjoy it. Like an hour before kickoff. Something well, like half that. an hour maybe. Half and, an hour. and then And then, yeah, so then people are sat down and they watch the rugby. You know? What's your take on it, Sam? I mean, you like going to Twickenham now and again with your boss chums like Hugh Grant. I do, I like it. And I felt that the, um, the atmosphere, we've often used the argument about alcohol in sport and football fans feeling like second-class citizens because other sports allow it. Maybe people will be, but Woodward seems to have a lot of vitriolic things to say about English rugby ever since he's departed the, the central job. The RFU need to look There's at nothing it. vitriolic well, about look, this. The RFU, RFU need to look at it before trouble breaks out, especially when someone are paying the two hundred pound a ticket. I would suggest if the team started performing on the pitch a little bit better, there'd be less trouble in the stands and less people needing to go for a drink and then watch the rugby because at this moment in time, the main thrust of people's dissatisfaction is the price that they're paying to watch that they what, what they what recently watched under Eddie Jones and watched last weekend against Scotland. Now, I don't, I, I don't recognise the issue, but I don't ignore the fact that it's there. Rugby's had a, had a badge of honour about how it provides a different sort of supporter base, how it provides a different sort of interaction, how pe- people from alternate supporting positions can stand next to one another and not be involved in altercations unlike other sport. And, and now what we're saying is is that people are drinking too much in rugby. Yeah. And Clive Woodward suggests that that is a huge problem that the RFU need to contend with. Well, he's talking it, about that if you read the details, some of the things I said about the constant, the, the flow, the constant... No, I've seen it. Yeah. I, know, I know what he's saying. Yeah, you, I don't and, think he's that's going not on difficult, about... That's not difficult. But do you not think he's got a point? My friends and family were at the match. They were surrounded by people who were more concerned with drinking than the rugby. They were up and down throughout the game. Each time they returned, they were carrying eight pints each okay well if you've got nothing better to do than count how many pints that other people are drinking then that's one thing but if that's re- if that's representative of the entire 70,000 people that are in Twickenham or if it's one particular area I'm not averse to an issue being raised I have no skin in in, in, in no dog, no in, this dog in the fight, fight no yeah. skin in this game um, in terms of <laughs> yeah, two for to, one there yeah exactly two metaphors there yeah. but I'm, I'm, I'm also interested in seeing problems for what they really are and we're writing about England rugby at this moment in time in a way because England rugby is in a slight slump. We've had seen recent issues with Welsh rugby, with misogynistic cultures and people not behaving in a certain way. And now it seems it's rugby's turn to be put under the spotlight for everything it doesn't do. If there is genuinely a major, major issue with people getting up during the game... There's an issue with it. Well, no, there's an issue of it... Well, that can Clive, be stewarded There's, better, there's an issue it? with it according to Clive Woodward. And if you look at the idea that when people are paying £200 a ticket before trouble breaks out, people are, will become more disenfranchised with rugby with watching what they're on the watching on the pitch rather than a few people that they can pull up during the game saying, do you mind not standing up every five minutes in front of me going to go and buy a beer? But if they do believe there is a general malaise in England at Twickenham for rugby games and at other stadiums, then it's not difficult. Close the bars during the games. Yeah. Well, well they lose he, too much money. He says in there, the Welsh Rugby Union's introduction of an alcohol-free zone for games at the Principality was a good move. And I think Twickenham should look to do the same. And this is Sir Clive Woodward saying this. 
So, I mean, yeah, anybody was... who was there at Twickenham at the weekend who concurs with Sir Clive's uh, yeah, thought that, here? Yeah. I mean, did you? What, what was your was your experience of the game somewhat blighted by the fact that people are getting up and down all around you? And as Sir Clive says, each time they return, they're carrying about eight pints each. Whether that's well, true the volume's or not, not the matter. volume's not relevant, is it? Is it ruining the spectacle, though? Is it, is it, is it harming the actual event for you? Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. We were talking about Sir Clive Woodward's uh, article in the, the Daily Mail this morning. Twickenham is now the world's biggest pub. So, Sir Clive, this morning, a couple of days after Scotland beat England, for the record, at Twickenham, uh, he doesn't want to concentrate too much on the rugby. He's concentrating on the drinking at the rugby. And he's saying, amongst other things, he was amazed to see thousands and thousands of fans still queuing at the bar rather than sitting in their seats ready for kick-off. He says, my friends and family were at the match. They were surrounded by people who were more concerned with drinking than the rugby. They were up and down throughout the game. Each time they returned, they were carrying eight pints apiece. The RFU, he says, uh, really need to look at this before trouble breaks out, especially when some people are paying nearly 200 quid a ticket. So Simon said he's saying this, so too is Danny. Um, uh, Sir Clive very much is strong on this in his in his uh, article this morning. Watching England from the stands has become unpleasant. People are more interested in drinking than the rugby. There's one message there. As a former police officer, now a train driver, I'm appalled at the free pass continually given to rugby fans. I've witnessed their behaviour. It's far worse than I've encountered from football fans in the past. Well, maybe some would take issue with that. But we asked you to call in, and my God, you are doing just that. Dan was at Twickenham at the weekend, and it's no doubt a big rugby fan. Dan, good morning. Tell us about your experience. Yeah, morning, guys. Um, morning. Yeah, I went to Twickenham um, on Saturday with um, uh, my wife. Uh, we paid, um, it was it was about £300 for, for both tickets. Um, I was sat on, on one of the aisles, um, and literally every, every five minutes, uh, there were people getting up and going and getting drinks. Uh, whether they're going to the toilet as well, I don't know. Um, but they were coming back with, with pints and pints and pints. And the issue is, um, they were coming halfway up the steps. Something was happening on the pitch. They were stand, standing, turned around to see what was happening on the pitch, and I couldn't see what was going on. Uh, and that, they, this happened throughout the whole game. Um, so it was, it, was quite, it was quite infuriating, really. So are you with Sir Clive in what he's seeing in his column this morning, in his article this morning? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm not necessarily worried about uh, trouble um, on the uh, you no, know in, in no. the stands. You know, people causing trouble, um, but it's but it's just it just ruins the ruins the spectacle. Really, I, I you know I go up probably you know once a year. I want to see a good game of rugby, and it was a great game as well. So I don't know why people were were getting up every every two minutes. Okay, Dan. Uh, listen, the, thanks the for the call. We appreciate what you're saying. What about Mark, who's at Twickenham as well? Mark, good morning. Do you agree or disagree with Dan? What was your experience like? Yeah, hi there, guys. Um, I totally agree with what Sir Clive is saying. Um, I don't go that often to Twickenham. It's a few years since I've been there. And I was there on Saturday. And, you know, I had a few pints before the game. I took a pint up with me into the stands before the start of the game to make that last throughout, you know, at least mm. a half. Um, and all I had constantly, and, you know, some saying it's a few people. It was not. It was thousands and thousands of people constantly up and down to the bar and then to the toilet. Um and you couldn't watch the game properly. It totally ruined the whole spectacle on the day. Um, and I ended up tweeting the RFU and Twickenham Stadium to try and vent some of my, 
my fury on the day because it you know it was just out of order really. I see. I didn't realise it was it was that bad or makes your experience that bad. Surely this can't be new though. Has this not been going on for a while? Because I or as the as the stewarding changed, has it got more lax? Because why haven't we heard about this before? Because I think people would vote for the feet because I wouldn't go again. Well, I think it's come to a situation that there's genuine concern. Mark, Mark do you identify? Or you won't. Here's here's Christian uh, sending in a message. What do you make of this, Mark? It's tradition for England fans to drink. Most oh, of the great. fans are already drinking in Richmond before they set off to Twickenham. Uh, it might work in Qatar, but here in England, we're a drinking nation. Stop trying to take our traditions away. What do you make of that, Mark? It's it's not the drinking as such, you know, per se. It's the fact that when the game is on, people are up and down to the bar. So mm. I was in Richmond before the game. I was around Richmond Green having a few pints with some friends and family. Um, and I went out afterwards and had a few pints. But during the game itself, I was sat there watching the game. Yes, I had a pint in my hand, but that was it. And then people were just constantly, like I say, in their thousands, up and down, not watching the game, going past you, squeezing past you, making you stand up and down in your seat. Um, the last guy saying that you're getting blocked because people were stopping on the stairs. Um, it, it just, it really ruined it as a, as a day out. And I went there back in uh, 2010 for the England-Australia game when Ashton scored the try from one end to the other. Yeah. And people were drinking then, but I do not remember standing up and having so many people um, going to the bar on that particular Okay, day. understood. Mark, thanks for the call. I think Neil is going to buck the trend for us. Neil, you were there too. What was your take on the day? Afternoon, guys. Love the show as always. I know. Thank you, mate. From, from my experience of it, it didn't affect my day out in the slightest. Were there people getting up and down? Yes, there were. Did it affect the experience of the day? Not at all. It's down to the individuals, really. Kind of, if, if they want to drink at the venue, they can. If they don't, they don't need to. It's kind of a bit of a state we're living in. And on, on the whole, it was it was a, it was a good experience. But who, why why didn't it affect who, your day? Who oh, Jim, hold on. Let's deal oh, with it. Who cares about that? What? Who cares about that? What? Why Only didn't it affect your experience? Because, for example, if I took my boy and he's twelve and he's smaller, you might be a big lad. You can look over people and all that. Why didn't it affect your experience if you can't see the game? I don't understand that. I, I, I can still see it, down To be honest, um, yeah. there, were, there were people around. Sort of, I think it depends. Maybe, maybe it depends where you sat mm. in the stadium as well. Um, but it, it was no, it was no different to what I've experienced in the past. I've been been before. Um, it, would I think it was out of the ordinary? Not particularly. Service was a bit slow at the bars, but on but on the whole, the actual experience, the atmosphere was was pretty good. Good mix with, with obviously the Scottish fans and stuff as well. The, so pr- the, the thing whole, is, would it would it actually place? bother you if the bar was shut ten minutes before kick off and opened again at half time? Good question. No, no, not at all, not at all. Okay. I think, I think ultimately, if, if, you, if you kind of people want to have a drink before the game, they can. For me and me and the lads that we went, we kind of had, had our drinks beforehand. Take your drink into the ground, and then you wait till half time before you then go back up. Mm. Okay, Neil, thanks for the call. Jim. As I said earlier, the Welsh Rugby Unions uh, they, they've introduced an alcohol free zone. That's no Sam, good because we've only got one you. zone. How Jul- can everyone get Julian to one was zone? Wales, ag- Wales against Ireland. Julian wants to tell us about that. Julian, you were there. We were not. How did that work? Um, well, I usually go to the the drinking the drinking zone, and it's generally people are up and down, as, as callers have mentioned earlier. You know, they're drinking four or five pints during the game, and, I, and I've been in that situation where, you know, I've done it myself, and you don't enjoy it as much, you don't see it as much. So the first time I went um, on Saturday, sat in the non-alcohol zone, 
It was fantastic. It, 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 nobody was getting up. It was uh, it was a good atmosphere around there. And the people who did want to drink, they would go down onto the concourse. After walk a bit further uh, around the back of the stadium, they they could have a drink, but they weren't allowed back into the area. So they were out of the picture. So you know, people were generally going down having a drink half time, and then coming back up and watching the game. It was it was it was a good experience. Understood. So your your your, your experience wasn't uh, interrupted, as others are saying theirs was at Twickenham. Julian, thank you for that. It seems, Simon. I mean, you can see the number of calls coming yeah. in. There, there is a genuine concern. Well, my experience of going to rugby last year in the Autumn Internationals against South Africa was a revelation. Having Being someone that goes and watch football and spent years watching football, I had a thoroughly enjoyable afternoon. Hold on, let's get it right. Where were you sat? I was sat in the seats that they were alleged people are getting up and drinking because they're fair-weather fans. I was sat in the seat where people were getting drinks. I had a drink during the game. I watched it and thought, what a wonderful atmosphere. I don't recall being overly interrupted by people. I saw people getting up going to get drinks. I saw people regularly coming up and down the stairs. But I didn't sit there going, oh, this is awful. I can't watch the rugby. I sat there watching a game of rugby in an atmosphere, in a stadium which was combative because the game is a combative game by its very nature. And I came away from that experience thinking, mm. why couldn't football be like this? It was actually a thoroughly enjoyable game. I didn't come away thinking, oh, people are drinking too much. Or people are getting up and down and standing in my way because yeah, but that's of, what they're saying this morning. Yeah, but I'm, I can only relate it to my experience. Yeah, and there's some people that pop into a game. We've had two people that have come on the call that have been to a game once a year. Right. Mm. So if we're going to talk about the the experiences that people are having more regularly, let's talk about that experience. As could well. it, could it, it? Couldn't it not be, Jim, that because England were playing Scotland, that a lot of Scottish people have got tickets. <laughs> Maybe they, well, I'm quite sure they would be drinking as well. Yeah, but I'm I, joking. I'm I, joking. I reckon though, even if you're a fair weather fan or not, on that day, say you paid a couple of hundred oh, quid drive for a ticket, me mad. it's drive going me to drive mad. you okay. nuts. But the, you're, okay, I, we're talking about one example. I'm giving you another example where I sat at a game yeah, and watched it. So my example is equally as prevalent as one game It is, game but example. what Jim's saying is we're getting a lot of people on the on the Twitter feed and not everyone's been on the phone here. We're talking about the, the, the majority are saying... I don't, I, don't, I, don't yeah. I don't have any care if England rugby wants to serve beer or not. What I don't want to do is allow something to be turned into something that it's not. So what mm. do you think Sir Clive is over, over yeah, egging the pudding here? I, I do a little bit, yes. I do think Twickenham that, is now the world's biggest pub. I, I do think it is a little bit. That's a headline that he didn't write. Let, let's, if you this read is it. a man that knows more about rugby than anyone it's in It's not this about building. rugby. The devil this is, is a man who knows more about Twickenham than the RFU. But he, but he doesn't know about licensing laws and he doesn't know about crowd conduct because he's a, he's a rugby coach. He didn't know anything about football. He walked into football thought he knew anything mm. about football. Let's not get carried away with what he does and doesn't but know. But he, he, did, he did also say in his piece that he doesn't have all the answers and he's just proved he just said it's, well, it's, are, he then. just said it's a conversation. But that's, the, but that's the great thing, isn't it? He's when not saying he's got all the answers. He's bringing it up as an experience and something to fill his column. I get it. We all have to do that at times. But, but is, it, is it is an experience? I mean, I would like to see a body of evidence which suggests that he has been watching this particular problem, this malaise spread for the last year. He sees it as a massive problem. It's been going on in this game, mm. that game, this game, that game, this game. What we're basically saying is, a week ago we were talking about fans being slightly irate with the England team because they were so bad. Now. Clive Woodward has, conf- has inflated that up to people are paying 200 quid and they're be- and it's going to be trouble because they can't see because people are walking in and out with booze. Now, if you're going to offer a problem, I do think you're obligated to offer a solution. And what you- well, alcohol-free zone. He says that in his piece, like the Welsh have done. Okay, so, like you heard Julian so, so say there so, moments ago. So the that's fan. fine. Offer if, they, if, if England rugby feels that there's a necessity to add a value-added. Well, maybe they should look at it. Okay, but if you're a fan that wants to go for booze and have a drink at a rugby game, which a lot of them do, you're not going to want to be in an alcohol-free. I'm sure zone. you won't. But don't ruin the spectacle for other people. And that's fine. How big do you think this alcohol-free zone should be then? It sounds pretty big. If Sir Clive saying well, no, how, 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 how big, the world's yeah, biggest but, pub, but, but that's a headline. Well, take a leaf out the Welsh book. 
do what they're doing. Yeah, well, but it's not. You, then it's unfair. England don't it? like not, learning you, things from you, the Welsh. Do I, they? But you're not, like, so, what banning songs? That'd be something to learn. But you're oh, not going to. You're not going to get enough people who have the. There's only going to be a limited space of people who can go in alcohol free. It's not True. fair on the ones who want to go and not be part of that. It's not going to be enough tickets for that. That's my point. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 100% engagement. Outspoken with White and Jordan. We're still amazed at the reaction the story on Monday got when um, we got into it. If you recall, we were the first to, to hear about uh, the Premier League statement and that Manchester City... Uh, had been hit with over 100 charges of alleged financial breaches. So Simon was speaking about it at length. Martin Ziegler, um, the top man at the Times, was on and joined us. He was writing about it at that time. It took everybody by surprise and it had quite an impact on the world of football. And now it seems everybody's having their say on it. The fact is, if Manchester City are found guilty of the alleged financial breaches, how reputationally damaging will it be for what is regarded as the greatest league in the world. Could it still lay claim to that? Or would it be nothing more than the most tainted league in the world? Everybody's been having their say. Everybody in football is being asked for their opinion. Some are offering their opinion, some are not. And we understand that. And of course, one time, Manchester City stalwart, now of course the manager of Burnley, is Vincent Company, And Vincent was asked about these uh, 100 plus charges of alleged financial breaches brought against his former club. And Vincent Company took the line, Simon, that maybe people on the outside looking in should be a bit more careful about what they're saying here. 
He says, no doubt, there's a lot of righteousness in the world to come and tell you what you've done wrong. And then if everybody looks at themselves, I think the football industry in general is not one that can afford to point the finger too many times. And he says, I'm very sceptical when people start pointing the finger. Do the best for yourself. Let's try and improve all the time. But I'm a little sceptical when the finger gets pointed that bit too easily. He's saying, hang on. Oh, I Learn don't... up before you have a point at, oh, I do point your when finger you point, at City. When you point at someone else, there's always three fingers pointing back at you as well. I mean, look, the bottom line is, is that he's right. That there's an, a, a, you know, a huge amount of hypocrisy inside football that will judge others by standards they don't abide to. But what's that got to do with anything? Hmm. Manchester City are the ones that are being accused, repeatedly accused, of course, by this almighty conspiracy theory of everybody getting together with an agenda to do Man City down. Everybody that can will get together and collectively try and do Man City down. Or perhaps Man City have questions to answer and they can answer them properly and they can stop have allegations being made against them by everybody that encounters them, it would seem, that when it comes to questions being asked of them, they prevaricate and they delay, and one of their tactics is to delay and make it go into the long grass. That doesn't smack to me of people that are particularly motivated by clearing their name and making sure that, you know, the evidence that's provided is irrefutable because it's not that difficult mm. to be able to prove that you didn't pay someone on two contracts. See, how, how have they got the information, though, Simon? So I had someone on a Monday night when I was on his show. And WikiLeaks. It, it, uh, yeah. Spiegel is an, is an online yeah. site, and they, their emails have been hacked. So so in terms of the Premier League law, because basically does, they, they, their law apparently suggests it doesn't matter how the information was obtained. It, whereas, as long as it's relatable. Whereas normal law in our country, if you illegally obtain information, then it's inadmissible, isn't it? Um, well, certainly the standards that Cass applied, which was that there was an element of... Um, if the if the if the emails have come from a source that's slightly spurious, then it shouldn't be considered as part of the equation. Albeit they then asked Manchester City to produce said emails to see if they existed, so it came from a legitimate source. Yeah. But how can you produce them if they weren't real? Well, tragically for Man City, I would anticipate that they, they were. That they were, and they and must be City, because we've got to this stage. And what Man City are saying is, you're not putting context into this. You're not putting nuance into this. You're not putting the actual scenario surrounding these emails. Well, it, you can read an email. Ultimately, you can read the context. What they're suggesting is that because well, an email says something, doesn't mean it actually happened. That doesn't provide you with a smoking gun. It mm. provides you with evidence of a whiff of one. And ultimately, if you're writing to someone about doing something, mm. that doesn't necessarily mean you went and did it, yeah. right? But the bottom line is, is... Incidentally, is Premier League already damaged by this? Well, I would say to you, when Arthur Andersons were brought into disrepute for, for the corruption around Enron, did the entire accountancy world collapse around it? When Bernie Madoff ran one of the most, the most you know, dreadful Ponzi schemes for investment funds, did nobody ever invest any money again in any investment houses? They'll have a whiff of impropriety. The fact that they're going to clean house will suggest that they'll turn around and say... We've given them an opportunity to exonerate themselves. Man City exonerate themselves. We've given them an opportunity to exonerate themselves. Man City don't. It'll show the effectiveness. You can't, you can't lay claim to a situation of saying the league's been damaged if, if ultimately they, they, they rectify the situation. We've got constant um, uh, issues around football clubs around the world. Mm. Did Juventus's behaviour damage Serie A? Does it help it? No. Does it damage it? No. Does it give it an opportunity for people to say it will be damaged, those that want to profit from the damage that they would allude it has? Yeah. No. Will it stop broadcasters around the world wanting to buy Premier League football over and above Serie A and La Liga? Of course it won't. Will it stop top players thinking about joining Manchester City like that, Danny? Well, it's got to, hasn't it? 
at the moment. If you were thinking of going there in the summer, I don't, I don't. It's a really, it's it's unprecedented, isn't it? Yeah. I, I think you'd need need a lot more information if you were a player or the agent being asked to go to City in the summer because if there were punishments dished out sooner rather than later, then it's going to have a, a very quick impact on your career. Mm. And Pep could walk the next day. It's a different discussion. So you didn't think did, you didn't think it would affect players' decision making? No, I process. don't because I think, well, I think ultimately. Well, it, it would if the punishments come in. Well, it, well it, yes, but the punishments are not this summer. These punishments no. aren't happening anytime soon. They will. They See will that t- bit I don't understand, and maybe you can give me some clarity, and maybe other people who haven't, haven't listened to you talk on this because I haven't. How how can they delay it? Well, it's taken over 10 years to get here. Well, let's say they've got four years, the four years of the investigation. They Two must have co- some pretty concrete evidence. Well, they will have some pretty str- strong evidence for Man City to be able to contend with. What the Man City will then do is ask for the validity of the acceptance of these charges and to make sure that they accept so all the charges. So that'll be a hearing about the validity. Then they'll try and split the hearings. And then when the hearings have happened, let's say Man City are found guilty. Let's just make that assumption for a second. Right? I'm not saying they are. No. Man City will appeal. Yeah. Right? And that will take you into two years. Now, of course, if Man City are found innocent, I don't know whether the Premier League will appeal that and suggest that the Independent Commission, which is their own makeup, needs to be reconvened under a different auspice and reconsider different evidence or reconsider their own verdict or, or, or whatever Man City or whatever the Premier League want to do. The bottom line is, is we are not seeing a conclusion to this anytime soon. soon. And, and if, if previous form is to go by. And I know that Man City fans don't like this, and I know that sure that the Man City ownership won't like it either. If your stock in trade is to be upfront about the methodology you deploy, which is to get the slickest, best lawyers and kick it into the long grass, that to me, having been an experienced commercial man that's been involved in many legal battles, and honestly, without being braggadocio, won most of them, because truth is on my side, I get there hard and fast because I want to make sure that people understand where I'm coming from and what my position because is. Because it's your reputation at stake. Well, because I've got truth on my side. Right. And truth on my side will trump sentiment, yeah. will trump agendas, will trump uh, Machiavellian thinking. It will, it will conf- So if you've got irrefutable evidence, what Man City would have you believe? And so would a group of their fans that everybody's conspiring against them. We had a guy come on yesterday and say, uh, and the ESL was configured uh, because all the elite clubs uh, want to carry on being elite, and then admitted that Man City were invited to be part of it. Yeah. So whatever are you babbling about? Yeah. The bottom line is you've got to get past your victims complex. Your ownership model should be able to squash these allegations easily. If they've got fact on their side, they should be able to squash them. You cannot keep making up conspiracy theories of third governments on a grassy knoll that are trying to shoot you in the crossfire well, because it, perhaps it, it you defi- may have done something wrong. It defies logic, that, all that nonsense about... Well, the money involved here is enormous, isn't it? And, and mm-hmm. in, comes, in comes Lord Panic, P-A-N-N-I-C-K. Yes. Yeah, he's a top case, Not too. P-A-N-I-C. But there's no panic with Lord Panic, but there is expense... Because panic typically charges around five grand an hour. Yeah, but why do they and print? Been Who cares? Request ten grand an hour. Who cares? So well, they're going to get best in class, aren't they? I, mean, it's, I was about to say. And say you're going to struggle for city. Well, of course it is. You have to have the best representation. I mean, obviously, the stronger your case, the less uh, the advocate is important. But an advocate. That, that represents you is always important. And so with this in mind, and with the fact that there's going to be complexity, and there's going to be subterfuge, and there's going to be representations, and there's going to be... Because what people keep saying, it's the Premier League. Do you know the Premier League is? The Premier League is the clubs. Mm. So mm. you're basically saying that there's a conspiracy, and they make up this story. And I've got no... People think I've got an agenda against Man City. If Man City can clear themselves, clear yourselves. 
get on with it, remove every single last vestige of doubt and crush the observations. But when you start misrepresenting things like nine clubs wanted to boot it out of the league, no, they didn't, Pep. Nine clubs didn't want you to do what your ownership tells you it does every single time is a problem, which was delay, procrastinate, tie people up in legalese so that you could delay the, the, the consequences of the particular allegations that are being brought against you so that you wouldn't be consequent in the Champions League. That's all those nine clubs said. Don't let them keep delaying. Make them come to an answer. You're 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back each weekday to bring you the best of the show. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.